this concept of separating work and life has been something that society has kind of drilled into us previously. More recently, we've seen more integration of work life and home life with the impacts of the pandemic. But there's been years and decades of the idea of work and life being separate, which is really interesting that work gets called out and then life is just everything else. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. At a workshop that I used to facilitate, we would used to ask the question on a percentage between zero through hundred percent, how much of your career is yours to own? We'd often get answers like 50% company, 50% me, or 30% company, 30% manager, 40% me. Then I'd flash the number 100 on the screen in my PowerPoint presentation in a really big font. And there would be an audible, oh yeah, I see. So the point that we were trying to to bring home was that you own your career 100%, right? So this idea of it though, it's it's kind of heavy sometimes, but I want you to stop leaving your career up to your company and or your manager. So no more sitting back, waiting for your amazing work to get recognized and, and valued. I want you to start creating the momentum that you need for the career that you want. So maybe you were promised a new role or to get another team member to spread out the work and you're still waiting, or you can't remember the last time that your manager had a conversation with you about your career, let alone your professional development, or the time is over for expecting your manager or maybe even your HR department to help you drive your career. You know that it's time to take control over it, to make the impact that you want, to get the fulfillment that you want. And I wanna do that with you. So I created a space for you to do that. The Catch Crew is a space to hold you accountable with the tools you need to build an intentional career. We meet monthly with career building catch-ups live with me, and you get on-demand access to tools that have helped my clients get ready for interviews land jobs that give them more fulfillment and build their team cultures. Let me help you get the life and career that you want. Join the catch crew. Find out more at thecatchgroup.com slash catch crew. That's thecatchgroup.com slash catch crew. Welcome to the you belong in the C-suite podcast. Y'all I'm really excited to say this. Welcome to our 100th episode. What? That seems crazy to say. 100 episodes. It's a really fun milestone to celebrate. 100 episodes in our third season now with over 30,000 downloads. 
If you've started with me from the beginning or found me along the way, we've done so much together. I launched this podcast a few weeks after starting my business in 2021. After 15 years in corporate America, I left my big C-suite job to start the Catch Group, my company that focuses on individual and group coaching and leadership consulting. And you've been here with me through launching of my business, the launching of this podcast, and the launch of my book, Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want. That's a lot that we've done together. And in today's episode, our 100th episode, I wanted to create a space to answer a few questions about my journey and about what I teach about. So if you're on my email list, you may have seen my ask to submit questions for this podcast, and we'll highlight a few of those questions that were submitted and also a few submitted from other workshops in my group coaching program. I have not done an episode like this before. um, So if you find it helpful, I can do more of these in the future. So let's get started. I have put these questions in basically two categories for this episode. The first are questions about values, and we're going to start with those. And then the second is I get a lot of questions about making the podcast and just the journey with it. So we'll, um, we'll do that as well. Answer some questions about the podcast. So first let's dig into questions about values. The first question that was submitted I get this question often, so I thought it would be a good one to start with. And the question is this, do values change over time? And I love this question so much, but before I get into it first, like what even is a value? So a value is a principle or belief that a person or an organization views as being of central importance. So basically it's the things that matter most to you or the things that matter most to an organization. So the question is, can that change over time? The short answer is yes, absolutely. But it is a little bit more nuanced than that. And I want to dig into this idea. So I like to think of values as kind of an evolution. For some of us, values may be a gray area. So you have a general idea of what matters to you, like your family or your health or that honesty or integrity or things like that matter to you. But if you've never really identified your core values, then you may not have the words to truly define them. They might seem gray or a little bit nebulous. So the first part of the values first framework, the framework that I use to coach my clients is to identify your values. That's why it's called values first. So let's start there. Identifying values can seem kind of big, kind of heavy. And some of my clients have hesitated doing this exercise because they're afraid to pick something and then think that they have to stick to it. Like it's written in stone. I think this also has to do with this idea of being a perfectionist that I can definitely relate to. And we want to pick the perfect thing. So sometimes we put it off and we procrastinate on some of the stuff because we want it to be right. Um, But I want to remind you that this is an evolution and you have to start somewhere. So when I do workshops with leaders within organizations or teams or my individual or group coaching clients, we always start with identifying our individual values, our core values, but to put words to it, to define them. Then we can start understanding what they mean and further defining them for ourselves. So it is not uncommon to be in a workshop or a small group 
and there are multiple people with similar values. For instance, the value of impact is often listed out as a core value, but what impact means to one person may be totally different than what it means to another person. So in that same vein, what impact means to you this year could evolve to something else next year or even next month. So yes, values can change over time, but what I find most often and in my experience is that the meaning of the value is what changes over time. So less so the idea that like all of your values are going to change more so the meaning of your current values is going to evolve over time. So the word may stay the same, but how it looks like in your life can change. And I love this. Remember, we're learning, we're growing, we're evolving. We learn something new about ourselves and maybe we change it, change a word, change a value, change the meaning of what living that value looks like for you in your life. So through that evolution of figuring it out, I give the advice to do a values check-in every 90 days to check in with your values to see if they're being met, but also really to check in to see if anything has changed. So in my values worksheet, the worksheet that I coach clients on how to identify your values, which we'll put a link in the show notes for you to download it if you've not done that yet. There's a space in that worksheet to write down your secondary values. So the way I teach it, I don't want you to have like this laundry list of values. I want you to get like to five to seven. The ones that kind of didn't make that first list, we label those as secondary. And I want you to keep track of those. Because sometimes I find that clients, you know, combine two values or name it something or even promote a secondary value to a core value because it has become more important. And in that way, your values have changed over time, but you're kind of tracking it with this idea of the values check in every 90 days. So yes, values can change over time. And in my experience with my clients and myself, it is more like refining to get to the right core values evolving them or the way that they show up in your life or updating them as you continue to grow. So the next question that I'm answering comes from a recent workshop with the senior leader in a, in their direct reports that I facilitated. So we were doing a values exercise where individuals identified their values, like I just mentioned, and they did this as part of their team meeting. And before we started, you know, through this exercise of self-reflection and individual work, a participant asked me this question, do I have both personal values and work values or should they be one set? Cause they were leaning towards having two different sets of values. So this is an important question. And I think this one is so interesting to see how this shows up for us. And, you know, this idea of work versus life and the separation of work or life or work life balance and I'm using quotes here, you all know that I do not believe in work-life balance. I believe in setting boundaries that prioritize what matters most and hint that's your values, right? So this concept of separating work and life has been something that society has kind of drilled into us previously. More recently, we've seen more integration of work-life and home life with the impacts of the pandemic, but there's been years and decades of the idea of work and life being separate, which is really interesting that work gets called out and then life is just everything else, which really shows to me, especially from an American perspective, this priority on work versus life, right? 
But depending on our experiences, the psychological safety and the environments in which we live and work, like how much trust we have with the people we work with or the manager that we have, we may need to protect ourselves in different ways if there isn't safety or trust in these environments, especially since we spend so much time in them, right? And also, especially for marginalized individuals, for many people, there is a big difference in who they can safely be at work and who they are outside of work, right? So I think this is a a really important distinction and only you know what your own experience is and what supports you have and what support you don't. But I, I have to, you know, talk about that as we think about should you have personal values and work values? So I know that like me, you are a whole human. So I think that you should have one set of core values. So yeah, one human, one list of core values. I do think that some of your values may show up differently in different aspects of your life in work and non-work activities are part of your life, right? But with one set of core values, I know you don't have the time. I know I don't to separate work and life values So I'm not going to tell you to double your work. You've been doing that for too long. We're not trying to make this hard. Let's, let's go for simple. One list of core values. I'm all about centering the things that you need and what you value here. And that one is you one set of core values. Okay. So for instance, if you have a value of creativity, how does that show up in different aspects of your life? So at work, that may mean that you give yourself thinking time or brainstorming or innovation time to think creatively or to solve problems creatively. In other parts of your life, it may mean going to an art class or spending time journaling every day. But how does that show up in different aspects of your life? I think that's the question that I want you to ask. One set of core values, but how does that value show up in different aspects of your life? I will say that sometimes... My clients feel the pressure of putting values on their list. And um, I think this probably coincides with the first question that we just went over to do values change over time. But I wanted to, to answer this one and spend a little bit of time here too. this idea of feeling pressure of putting values on your list. Sometimes that's driven by the values that we think that we should have right? So the expectations of who we are, who society says that we are. So I'll give you an example. One of my clients had the value of family connection on her list of core values. And as she went through her iterations of values and, you know, defining them, she actually took it out. And she mentioned that she had put it on there because, you know, if you don't have it, then what are you like a psychopath, especially as a woman, like we're supposed to care for others all the time. Right. And what does that say about me as a person? If I don't have family or something similar on my value set, the same can be said for clients thinking that they should have a certain value on their list because it's a company value. What would it say about me? If I don't have the same values as the company values, would that mean that I don't belong here that I don't care about? all the same things as everyone else does? Would it show that I'm less committed or less in any way? It sometimes feels like that. So I think there's pressure sometimes that that society puts on us, that we've just grown up wanting to please others, whatever it might be. 
But I go back to that meaning of values. A value is a principle or a belief that a person has of being of central importance, right? So the things that matter most to you. So what matters most to you? Not what matters most to other people. Not what matters most to the company that you work for. Not what matters most to someone that is sitting right next to you in a workshop. What matters most to you? You as a whole person. So that list is one list, one core values list, and it's for you. It's not for anybody else. So these are just two of the questions that I've got recently on values. And there's so much more to uncover about the topic and about your core values. Another place that you can just get more in-depth resources on all things values is my book values first. And I'm really excited that we've built a course that brings you through the most important exercises in the book. It's called values first, the course. The only way to get access to values first, the course is to get it inside the catch crew. The catch crew is our community that you can access all of these tools and get monthly catch-ups to go through new content and coaching for me live. It's a space to give you accountability to build your career intentionally. So if you want to start your values journey, get the book, join the catch crew. That's the place for you to do it and to do it with me. So go to do the catch slash catch crew to learn more. You put so much into your work and doesn't it feel like it needs to mean more? It has maybe taken you longer than you thought to get the kind of role that you want. You thought maybe you'd be making a bigger impact by now. Things may have stalled out or not going the direction that you'd like. Maybe you need more support from your manager. Maybe you need to change how you manage your time and your priorities. Or maybe even go to a different company that aligns more with what matters to you. But you know that something needs to change. And you want to be more in control of the work you do and the impact that you make on the people around you. So let's work together to help you build your intentional career. The Catch Crew is a space to hold you accountable with the tools you need to build an intentional career. So my friend, it is time that you get the career fulfillment that you crave. And the Catch Crew is your go-to community for putting your needs and ambitions front and center. I want to help you hold you accountable to your aspirations and make sure you take the steps you need to get the life and career that you want. I want you to join us in the Catch Crew. Go to thecatchcrew.com slash catchcrew. That's thecatchgroup.com slash catchcrew. We have our monthly catch-up session coming up soon. I hope to see you there. Now, I want to answer a few questions that I get about the podcast. The first question I get most is, what is the podcast process like? I think sometimes um, we think of, you know, a really fancy recording booth in a fancy, like really cool part of town. And, and that's, that's really not what it is. Um, so I want to break it down. I'm sure some people do that, but that is not my process. Um, we keep it super simple here. Y'all the process though is, and it's an important one. And the podcast is a really important platform for me. Maybe not for the reason that you might think it's important to me because of connection. 
It may sound silly because right now I'm literally in my office talking by myself. Well, not really by myself. My dog Basil is sitting in the chair next to me, looking out the window, surveying the street for who knows what. But generally a podcast, especially in solo episodes like this one, can feel very solitary, but really it isn't because I'm talking to you. Yeah, you right now. We are in connection together, whether you are taking a walk or maybe you are in your car listening or working out, maybe doing chores around the house. We are here together. And when I record and when I design anything, I'm thinking about you and what I can do to support you. So I do this for connection, connection with listeners, connection with guests. And one of the reasons I have this podcast and the title of it, You Belong in the C-Suite, is because sometimes I didn't feel like I belong there. Not sometimes, a lot of the time. And through my own imposter syndrome or because I was leading in a different way as an introvert, I just didn't feel like I belonged. So I have this space for us to connect, to remind you that you do freaking belong there. And I'm here to show you that. I'm also here to elevate other voices. I love bringing on guests that are different than me, who have different lived experiences that I do. This podcast is really an extension of my values of growth, development, and advocacy. Growth for me, development to coach others, and advocacy to bring you different perspectives and give others a platform to share their experience, knowledge, and wisdom with you. That's why I do it, and that's why I get so much out of it. So back to the question, what is the process even like of building a podcast? So first and foremost, I work with a podcast manager. Her name is Samantha. She is the best. And we work together remotely and we use Trello. That's an organizing online project management tool that we use to build out our content calendar. And a content calendar basically shows the types of things that I want to have on episodes over the year. We like to do things in advance as much as possible. So many times we are planned out for at least two months in advance with episodes, meaning that we've already recorded guest interviews and we know what episode will air when. The content calendar is based on content that I want to talk about or bring leaders in to talk about. Sometimes it is due to the timing on programs that we're launching. For solo episodes like this one, I usually write out a script or talking points of things I want to say, and then I generally follow it, but we'll add different things in here or there. For guest episodes, I usually send questions to guests in advance and think about the flow of the conversation. Of course, we sometimes go off topic and I ask even more questions because that's my favorite thing to ask questions. And I get guests in different ways. Sometimes I reach out to guests personally to invite them on the podcast. There are a few websites that I'm on that match guests with podcast hosts, kind of like online dating, but for podcasts. Or sometimes I just reach out to people directly that I want to have on the show through their websites or their PR person or through a mutual connection. I often get recommendations from previous guests for other guests to be on the show. And guests can also apply to be on the podcast through our website. There's a form that you can fill out to do that. And when I'm looking through those applications, I think through my values. Is this a fit for the audience for growth, development, and advocacy? Does it align with the types of things that I like to talk about? I put those applications through a values filter to ensure that I'm in alignment with them and their content. 
then we schedule podcast recordings. I only do recordings once a week. I used to do them at different times of the week, but I found that by dedicating time on a specific day, I can block out my calendar to do several in a row and I'm in like podcast mode as opposed to going from like a client meeting into a podcast. We block out time, usually like an hour for guests and we record using Zoom. I have a podcast quality microphone and I record in my home office. Then I get the recordings to Samantha and her company does the post-production, all the editing, and she lets me know when it's available to listen to and I review it. I rarely request any changes because she's so good at all of the stuff that she does. So when I listen to it, sometimes weeks or months have passed. Like I'm listening to like a final episode before it airs. And it's funny about what you remember about the conversation versus the difference of hearing it back many months or weeks later. And I I love that because I remember different things. I forget that we talked about different things and I make even different connections myself as I listen back to it. So then it's scheduled and it's put out in the world. So by the time you hear it, many times it has been recorded way before. However, I will say that this episode is not one of those (laughs) because we are flexible with our podcast calendar. I can decide to drop in and record an episode like this one. I wasn't sure everything that I wanted to say for it and I was putting it off for some reason. One of those reasons was that we were on vacation. (laughs) So this one was recorded in the last week before airing and we can do that with solo episodes every now and then because we have that flexibility built in. So the last question that I'll answer today is actually a question I have for myself. And it's been really interesting to think about this with the 100th episode. So I'm asking myself, what has changed for you from when you first started recording and now? Woo! When I first started, I really didn't know what I was going to say. Seriously, I worried about each episode. Was it good enough? Was it long enough? Was it helpful enough? And my introverted self hated listening back to my voice. I was proud of it, but I was also full of anxiety. I think both of those things were true. And it took several months to realize, huh, people are listening to it and they keep listening to it. So they must at least have an interest about what I have to say. So that's cool. And I remember thinking at one point it was in the single digits, like around seven or eight or nine And I was thinking, oh my gosh, what is next week's episode even going to be? This was before we got ahead, like I mentioned before. But like, what will I even talk about? Or being worried that the people that I wanted on my podcast as a guest, would they even say yes to being on it? So it's been really interesting to think back about, you know, how that new experience, I was so uncomfortable. I still knew it was the right thing to do, but it still felt really uncomfortable. And I know that in discomfort, I'm learning. And now it feels like a natural part of my business. It feels creative. And that really surprised me, this idea that this is a way for me to live out creativity. It feels like a way to test out the ideas in my head. And it's validating to hear that some of the things that I've had in my head for so many years actually resonate with people. So it gets me to try new things faster, not keeping them in my head just for me. And it gives me the space to to really figure out ideas for my next book. Because yes, of course, there is another book in the works. Yeah. 
And it also gives me consistency. I've had, you know, a hundred episodes and that is some consistency. And at the end of the day, I get to create episodes and interview the people that I think will bring you insights, value, and help you on your career journey. And I get to craft what that looks like. So it also feels a little bit like freedom too. And I get to design it. So I want to thank you just so, so much for being a part of this community with me. It means the world to me when I hear from you. So I want to hear from you more. And you can email us directly at hello at thecatchgroup.com. Or you can DM me on LinkedIn or Instagram, or you can leave us a review wherever you are listening to the podcast. So thank you so much for our 100 episodes and here's to at least 100 more. And I'll leave you with this. Remember, your leadership belongs here. You belong in the C-suite. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.